0: Other Side of Midnight. 77 W.A.B.C. Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 W.A.B.C. I'm Frank Moreno. Thanks for listening. Thanks for starting your Friday with me. What we're going to do in just a moment is the same thing we do each and every Friday morning in our first hour. We're going to do Ask Frank Anything. So whatever you have questions about, just go ahead and start queuing up at 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And whoever comes up with the most creative question, we're going to give you a prize. It could be a hat, could be a shirt, could be something else. So whatever it is, it's going to be something cool. Whatever your question is, go ahead and call now. But what I want to say in the meantime is this year's election for governor... Barring any phenomenal intervention from the federal courts, is going to be the first election for governor since the year 1946, in which there are only two candidates on the ballot. Think about that. The last time there were only two candidates on the ballot was 1946, pretty much in the midst of, slash, in the aftermath of World War II. Now, why did this happen? Did that happen because... Everybody in the state of New York fell in love with Lee Zeldin and Kathy Hochul? No, of course not. If you've ever heard Lee Zeldin or Kathy Hochul or seen what they're all about, you know that's not the case. No, what happened here was Governor Andrew Cuomo and the state legislature pushed through a ridiculous piece of legislation which made it impossible or almost impossible for minor party candidates to appear on the ballot. Now, the Libertarian Party, the Green Party, other parties are challenging this in court. It doesn't, at this point, look like they're going to be successful. I think this is such a shame. I know we have a lot of people that listen to the show that are politically oriented, that are politically active. And I hope that when someone comes asking for your vote, be they Democrat, Republican, or Independent, you're going to ask them the question of, What are you going to do to level the playing field to make it so that independent candidates and third-party candidates can actually appear on the ballot? Because the fact that there are only two candidates on the ballot this year is a travesty. People like me have almost nobody to vote for. Now, I'll probably end up voting for uh, Lee Zeldin because of the congestion pricing issue, but I'm not at all happy about it. I mean, I have to go and vote for a guy that's submitted hundreds of photocopied signatures? I can tell you this is not high on my list of things to do. But I'll probably end up voting for him because there's only two candidates to vote for. It is awful. And this is the first year in New York since 1946 where this has been the case. Really crummy. Beam me up! To be continued. The other side of midnight. 77. Local spotlight. Good. Everyone, This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Moreno. Let me give you a piece of good news, which many of you may construe as bad news. New York's highest court, the Court of Appeals, has agreed to hear disgraced movie mogul Harvey Weinstein's appeal challenging his 2020 conviction on sex crimes charges. Appeals Chief Judge Janet Fiore, who is now on the way out because of some scandal that she's involved in with uh, Dennis Quirk, the head of the Court Officers Union, will allow Weinstein's lawyers to argue their case before the court more than two years after he was convicted of first-degree criminal sexual act and third-degree rape charges and sentenced to 23 years in prison. In essence... His attorneys argued that trial jurors were overwhelmed by bad evidence and that one juror who had written a book involving predatory men should have been dismissed. Weinstein's been serving a prison sentence in Los Angeles where he's still facing sexual assault charges. The bottom line is this. I don't think Harvey Weinstein is a good guy or a nice guy. And I think his relationships with women probably are not at all what I would encourage my son to view as a model for how to treat women in the future. That being said, this trial, it was a travesty. This judge was absolutely clearly biased. And the fact that we found out after the verdict that one of these jurors went so far as to use their own experience of being a victim of sexual assault to get the other jurors on their side for the Weinstein case, and that they didn't disclose that to either the court or the defense attorneys. This is a textbook case of something that should be thrown out. Now, obviously, I think many of you probably know that my friend Arthur Idala is Harvey Weinstein's defense attorney. That's true. Uh, Am I biased here? No, I don't think so. I would be saying the same thing if uh, Arthur was the prosecutor or if this was a total stranger as Weinstein's defense attorney. The bottom line is, if we don't have an expectation in this system of truly unbiased juries, then we're all screwed. The treatment that Harvey Weinstein, a a really crummy guy, gets, that's the treatment we all get. In our criminal justice system, we have to treat the worst among us as if he's the best among us. That's the only way it works. And I'm glad the Court of Appeals is hearing this case, and I hope they throw out this conviction. I hope he gets a new trial with a truly unbiased jury. Beam me up! To be continued... Other side of midnight. Local spotlight. So, a caller towards the end of our first hour, towards the end of the one AM hour, brought up the issue of congestion pricing, and I have to tell you, the more that I learn about the existing congestion pricing plans, the more I'm opposed to this. And uh, the reason I'm mentioning this is because you saw a thousand people share their thoughts on congestion pricing or at least prepare and register to share their thoughts on congestion pricing at a series of public forums. That's according to the... MTA. I am going to be signing up to testify about congestion pricing, and I hope you do too. I thought a lot of the commuters that spoke at the first MTA congestion pricing hearing were right on the money. This plan, if you haven't been following it... Would toll drivers in Manhattan, south of 60th Street, as much as $23 during rush hour. It was designed to lessen traffic congestion by as much as 20%. Now, according to the analysis and the plans and the study by the very people that are proposing this, it might reduce traffic congestion in Manhattan. It also increases traffic congestion in the Bronx and everywhere else. I mean, this is nuts. I mean... What this is, is the most elitist, arrogant plan, the most Manhattan-centric plan that you can possibly imagine. We were told repeatedly, this is good for the environment. This will get more people taking mass transit. This is a disaster for the environment. If you're suffering from asthma in the Bronx because of all the smog that's on the Cross Bronx Expressway and because of all the the soot that these vehicles put into the air, this is not going to do anything for you. This is going to make it worse worse. It's going to make your commute worse. I am all for better mass transit. I'm all for less traffic congestion. This doesn't do either. This is a tax on working class people. I'm going to have to pay this coming to work at night. There's no traffic in Manhattan, in Midtown Manhattan when I come to work at night. Why do I have to pay a fee? It tells you it's not about traffic congestion. It's about a fee. So the reason I'm mentioning this now is I hope you will sign up to let the MTA know that this plan is lame. And ultimately, this is not an MTA plan. It's a plan from the state legislature and the governor. So I hope you'll tell them where to go. Beam me up. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. Local Spotlight. Well, this is interesting. New York City is forcing some of its cars to slow down. In a six-month trial, New York City has equipped 50 municipal vehicles with intelligent speed assistance software that can make a car obey the speed limit. Isn't this interesting? Well, you probably haven't heard of intelligent speed assistance. ISA, you're about to. In July, the European Union mandated its use in new models of cars. In 2024, it'll be compulsory in all cars sold there. ISA uses a speed sign recognition video camera and GPS-linked speed limit data to advise drivers of the current speed limit and automatically limit the speed of the vehicle as needed. Speed, as you probably know, is a top cause of traffic fatalities. And most warning systems don't actively compel vehicles to heed traffic rules. So New York City is going to be the first to roll out an intelligent speed assistance program in the U.S. They're spending more than $80,000 to install the technology and retrofit vehicles. And if this is a successful pilot, this is according to the mayor, If this is a successful pilot, we want to see this go throughout every vehicle that we're currently using in our city fleet. Unlike traditional speed governors, this intelligent governance piece of equipment will adjust the vehicle speed as the vehicle travels through locations with different speed limits. I'm wondering what you think of this. I think this is pretty interesting. What's wrong with having government vehicles obey the speed limit? I'd certainly rather have this than see government vehicles speed while the rest of us are hit with speeding camera violations and red cat red light camera violations. Am I wrong? By the way, uh, if you haven't yet already done so, please make a contribution to the Tunnel to Towers walk and my efforts to raise money for Tunnel to Towers. Go to wabcradio.com slash walk. That's wabcradio.com slash walk. We got some interesting things coming up this hour, including a tribute to a great listener that's no longer with us. Beam me up! To be continued.